Hey guys, welcome to Tear the Roof Off podcast and Upstream Health Solutions um, podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Today we have amazing guests, Marilee and Dr. Dan Pompa with us. They're going to share with you how God has worked in their life, brought about healing in their life, and because of that, brought about healing to millions of people. So, um, uh, Dr. Chris, do you want to start us out in... Yeah, sure. Thanks, Britt. So for those of you who don't know, um, Dr. Pompa is mine and Lori's mentor. He's the one who's taught us all of the all of the things that we use in our practice to help people go from pain to purpose, as the Pompas always say. And that uh, the reason I said that is because that's really what our podcast is about, about how God works in, in our pain and in our suffering and takes us from one place um, to the other, to, to his promise. So I wanted to just open it up for Marilee and uh, Dr. Pampa to share your story with other people and how God has impacted your journey and how that's related specifically to your health journey and how God has revealed himself through that. And I want to say something before they start talking is, you know, we said that, you know, Dr. Pampa is our mentor and I will say that Marilee's our mentor too. You know, watching their relationship and watching how Marilee supports Dr. Pompa and her presence at the events and just her presence behind the scenes, like she's the rock, you know, they, they're such a rock together. Um, and we wouldn't have the Dr. Dan Pompa if we didn't have Marilee Pompa. So I just want a shout out to her because I just have so much respect for you, Marilee. So you are a mentor to all of us as well. Thank you. And you know what you all don't know is that you know who I married is was very different than who who when Danny was sick, who he became through that illness and that battle. And so thankfully God when he did get sick in 2000 and and I remember you know I remember the moment in time where I asked God what is wrong with Danny. I mean we lived a life that that we that we knew were honoring his principles. You know, we, we ate organic, we didn't eat processed sugars. I mean, at that time, we, we were so committed to that. We had our babies at home. At that point, we had two, you know, we just, at every turn, we were just looking for ways to honor him. And we knew that that was the best life to live or the best possible path to a healthy life. And so when Danny got sick, and I remember asking God, you know, what is wrong with Danny? And God spoke to my heart. And not that you, you hear it audibly, but you just know that you're hearing the answer and in a way that I'll never forget. And that's happened a couple of times in my life, but that was the first time. And God said, not only will Danny get well, but I will use him to take a message to the world. Amen. And so that was such a, um, that was, it is just that, that is that place in time where I just stood so strongly in knowing that it would be okay. In three and a half years of tum uh, just tumultuous experiences and, and intimidation of his persona, you know, the man that I married was not there um, most of the time. Very, very, yeah, he was not there. But, um, and there's a funny part of that because <clears throat> she married me, she says, for my potential. Oh, come on. Okay. That's another story. <laughs> In our wedding video, you know, so how did you end up here? Well, you know, his potential. I'm like, potential. Oh, hold on. Why 
was not so offensive because <laughs> yeah. guess why he married me? The same question was asked of Her him. Persistence. Okay, so there we go. Okay. Right? And by the way, maybe that's yeah. maybe that's where the persistence was Came applied, in. right? Yeah. But truly, I mean, my husband, you know, for those of you that don't know, I have the reputation probably of being very sassy and and you know no filter and all of that sometimes that's good sometimes it's not i'm learning i'm i'm realizing ultimately i care about how i represent god so for those of you that know me or don't know me or get to know me like if i come off a little harsh it's just at some level i like to know who my people are right away at other levels i just like people to know where i stand because then i i know if you can Mar handle me you Marilee, know what to do with me <laughs> in the first minute of a conversation will either be in the you know, politics, religion, nutrition, vaccines, I mean, anything controversial she'll hit because she's, <laughs> she's right. She wants to know where people stand. And then she, and it, it, she's, we have friends that are atheists. We have friends that are on both sides of the political aisle. You know, it, it's a, that's not the point. The point is she has to know where to put them. <laughs> right. It's like, do I right. put them here? Do I put them right. here? Anyway. Are they people that we have potential with for yeah. friendship? Yeah, yeah. Are they people that are just acquaintances? Are they people that, yeah, whatever. It but doesn't matter. The, the point, my, my wife is the, the rock in the family. And, you know, and what people don't, there's a bird screaming out there. Uh, what people don't realize is that, you know, when so many of the things that they speak, even from stage, you know, really God spoke them to her first. And then somehow end, end up, you know, I'm the mouthpiece out here. But a lot of people don't realize where a lot of that starts. And it starts, you know, with Marilee. You know, she was what I held on to during my sickness, where as most people would have, you know, just bailed. She didn't. She, I close that one. Now. I like the noise. Uh, <laughs> I like the bird. But, um, but you know, she's not, she stuck in there and um, not only stuck in there, but reminded me of God's promises. And, you know, it's funny. I, I just did a Facebook live yesterday and um, I, you know, I had to speak it. My son was like just saying, Dad, you have to you sit there every day and you read from that little book in the Bible. And he said, You need to, you know, do a Facebook live about it every once in a while. And I did, but you know, on today's subject, I'm just I'll just share just a little piece of it because it resonates with what Marley just said. But the scripture is uh, then Jacob prayed, Oh God, my uh, my father of Abraham, God of my father Isaac. O oh Lord, who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives, and I will make you prosper. Say, uh, save me, I pray. Anyways, that's from Genesis. But the point is, is if you listen carefully in there, um, he prays that in a very specific way. So I'll, I'll read this little bit here. But it says, there are many healthy aspects to Jacob's prayer. In some respects, it could serve as a mold into which we pour our own spirits while we are being melted into the fierce, fierce the, I'm sorry, melted into the fiery furnace of sorrow. Jacob began by quoting God's promise twice by saying, who said to me, and you have said. So see how um, he has God in his grasp. God places himself within our reach through his promises. And when we can actually say to him, you have said, he can say, no, God must do as he said. So he cannot say no, God must do as he said. You know, when we were going through all of those hard times, um, you know, God gave us this, these promises and we, we hung on to those promises. And, you know, Marilee would remind even 
to me the promises God spoke to my heart. Because when you're sick, you don't have always the right frame. You don't always, you know, resonate with the faith God gave you. Um, you often fall into depression. You often feel sorry for yourself. You often focus only on the resistance, the circumstance, and you can't see anywhere beyond it. You know, and um, those promises is what we held on to. Yeah, there were there were times I remember when Danny would say, you know, if this is because I would remind him, like, you know, God is using you, right, to take, I anchored to the, obviously to the promise. And he would say, he's using you to take a message to the world. And he would say, if I, if this is, if, if this is what God wants for me, I don't want it. Mm. And I would say, you listen to me, you know, God chose you. He will choose someone else, but he chose you. And we've suffered for this. And our, and I, and as we were talking earlier, right, I, our suffering is never just for us. It's for God to use what we learn in it and offer hope to a hurting world. And that's so firmly something I'm anchored into, especially watching what he's gone through and the things he was learning even at that time. And so, you know, it, but the best part of it is, is yes, anchor to God's promises because I can sit here and say, you know, that the, obviously I, somewhere in that, journey of pain, obviously I lost the husband that I married. I lost the identity, the identity that he even had for himself. And then it is, there were times within the battle where he would tell me, I'm not the man you married. Like there were things he was doing to try to get away from me. He wanted yeah, me out, to out reject guilt, him out, out of guilt, honestly. for what he wasn't mm -hmm. providing for me. Right. He knew that he was, he didn't see himself as the man that I married. And I, of course, I knew he was in there. I just knew he wasn't able to. I also knew that God would bring a better version of him out of that. Right. And so, um, you know, Danny, his integrity was always his number one. His character was, all, he, he, I don't know a man with greater character in place and a greater desire to represent God well. And, and, and so, the, and, and, you know, knowing the rest of our story, that's hard to, imagine but you know everyone that god used in the bible for great purpose he allowed them to be maligned and misrepresented and he allowed things of them to be exposed that were the whole truth and all these things that were so painful and so you know affecting the core of his being that obviously affected our marriage and and yes there were there was much of my emotional needs that weren't getting met but you know what here we are you know, I mean, we really, it took us over a decade to go through that, that battle, but we, but I can see how beautifully, perfectly woven the, the pain was for who we've become and even in our marriage. And, 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 you know, I, he's still that, you know, sassy man that doesn't get credit for being sassy because he has a wife to close that whole circle. <laughs> That's just a little more up front and in your face right from the start. My husband's just far more, uh, uh, you know, diplomatic. <laughs> so anyway. But yeah. So Marilee, we know, um, we know you and Pompa's story, um, but I know our listeners don't. So can you share, can you guys share with us a little bit about the healing that you, um, the pain you had to experience and the healing you went through? Yeah. You know, like <clears throat> it was the end of 1999 when, um, my symptoms started and it was just fatigue, you know, like so many, all right? And I just, I was doing a lot of miles on my bike training for a bike race. So arguably I was in the best shape ever. And um, 
So I just thought I was overtraining. I, I backed off the training and things were getting worse, actually, not better. It ended up in headaches, anxiety, panic attacks, insomnia, digestive problems. I mean, it, 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 this just kept coming in layers. And, you know, it's, I just knew my whole endocrine system, my hormone system was not working right. I just couldn't figure it out. My adrenals were shot. I mean, I couldn't adapt to anything. Uh, loud noise, not even loud noise, her fingernail polish on the counter, hangers, you know, I, I, it just out of my mind. And so that just kept escalating. And I, it got to the point where, I mean, it was so bad that Marilee would have, we had two young boys at the time. She'd have to take the kids out of the house because I could go into rage because of just a crying child. I, I couldn't handle anything. So of course work became almost impossible. And, um, you know, just life in general just came to a screeching halt, honestly. And yeah, so, I mean, that put me on the search, you know, for what was wrong, obviously. And, you know, there was the nights where I couldn't sleep and I just didn't have debilitating anxiety. I would just look and research. And, you know, honestly, I mean, you all know my material and everything that's important and everything that's lasted, everything that's changed lives, it all came from him. It did. You know, I, I can't take credit for any of it. That's, I get broken when I say it because it, it just, uh, honestly, I'm not smart enough to, to think of it. You know, I'm, it just came and, just, and, and how it came up. We don't even have time for the stories, you know, but. You, you were just asking God yesterday for yeah, answers. I for mean, answers, he, he, I yeah, do. All, all, always, yeah. I mean, always. I mean, I, because, I, because God gave me answers, not, I would never say that I have every answer. That's for sure. But, you know, I, I ask him always, you know, for more answers, you know, because there's so many hurting people. And, you know, and I'm always asking him, Lord, show me what I need to know, right? What I need to teach, what I, you know, what we need, you know, for a crying world, right? It's like, you know, but, you know, all of it came through that pain. All of it did. And, you know, and, and part of Marilee, I, I said to her yesterday, you know, give, give me a number. And she said, 128. And so I just opened this little book and this little book is, it is like writing after writing after writing. Like, you know, this started back in 2007, arguably on the backside of getting well. Um, but we went through a lot of other pain. You know, when you say, you know, your story to how you got here, what what story, you know, losing my health was part of it. But anyways, in here is journaled so many things about the pain. And, you know, and the promises that God has. But anyway, she said that number. And I, I read this, which applies to this conversation as well. Desperate days are the stepping stones on the path of life. They seem to have been God's opportunity to provide our school of wisdom. That's what we just said. You know, every bit of knowledge I have was from the desperate days. Psalm 107 is filled with stories of God's lavish love in every story of deliverance. It was humankind coming to the point of desperation that gave God his opportunity to act. So true. You know, so we, we can look at our desperate times. We can look at our hardships as those things, hardships, difficulties, why me? Or we can reframe it and realize it's the very thing that every one of us need to, you know, for God to take us into the promise that he has for us, right? And I wouldn't be able to teach anything worth anything if it wasn't for the desperate days i i wouldn't have a message i wouldn't be here uh, you all wouldn't be here 
So again, I, I guess we all look have to examine our lives, you know, and, and next my time we're in a My kids wouldn't be hard, here either. <laughs> my, kid, my kids wouldn't be here either. Yeah, right? I mean, it's amazing, right? So when we're in a hard time, I, I guess we need to stop and examine and say, what, what does God have for us and what does he want to teach us? And, you know, realize that it's a stepping stone. Yeah, because it tells us in, in the book of Romans, Romans 8, that we're called according to his purpose and that he works everything out for good for those who are called to that purpose. Yeah. That's our family's verse. Yeah. Yep. We anchor on to that all the time in my family too. Mm. Because there's 7,000 promises in the Bible and all of them are true and they're yes and amen. Otherwise he wouldn't have promised them to us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And God wants us to, to remind him of them because it, it obviously fortifies our soul. And I, I always say that, you know, I live in expectation of God showing up and showing off. Mm -hmm. And um, maybe as a country, never has that been more true of our expectation collectively for in the life of a believer for what will God do, right? Either Jesus is coming back or he's, I mean, soon, like now, (laughs) or or he's doing, he's going to show his mighty hand in the face of such opposition and foolish uh, presentation of there's just no logic at all right now and and every day you wake up to something new going are you kidding me so you know but god is the author and perfecter of our faith and he is up to something so amazing in our lives and as believers if if we as his children can't remind him and expect it to be so magnificent then who can you know right. and who who can live a life with victory if it's not his children and where are where is the faith of his children you know there are so many people just getting sucked into these places and spaces of ignorance and and just just a just a, a flat life whenever god has such amazing things to teach us and show us and reveal to us and give us so that we can take that torch of what we learn into the world and say there is hope and it is it is not found in your own self it is found in 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 him who died for your sins that brought this into the world for you so that you can live a life of victory and this is just a stepping stone into that relationship of of trust and as we trust him here what is coming next you know, and it's such a disappointment to me to see the, 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 the shallow, stale life of, of way too many. And at that, at a certain point, you know, as believers, we need to be asking ourselves, you know, are we truly living by the word of, and the, and the character of God, you know, because there is that, you know, that reminder of the lukewarm church and, you know, that Laodicean church, what, I don't, I don't want to be part of that, you know, and, and, and yet we, you know, I think we get fearful of, but what will our lives look like if we don't in some way conform to the world and how do we live within it? And yet that, again, we're, we're, we are misrepresenting the character of God by, if we even believe that for a minute, because he will show up for us. He did it over and over and over again in the life of a believer in the bible why wouldn't he do it for us nothing's changed he hasn't changed 
So well, that's, that's why you guys sharing your story is so important because there are so many sick and suffering, hopeless people out there. And, you know, your journey is, is real, you know, and I, I, I know there was hopelessness and fear, obviously, in your guy's journey. Yeah. And it didn't feel right all the time. And it didn't feel good all the time. And so many people who are hurting and suffering do just want to feel good, but they don't, they don't know how to feel good for a long period of time. They only know how to feel good right now. What can make me feel good right now? And sharing your story is, is so important and sharing our stories about how we healed and how God brought us through this journey and how it might not feel good all the time, but yeah. his still the promise and it, and it right. will come. That's what you well, anchor to. And you know, when you, we said promises, right? And we started this by Jacob's prayer and how he anchored back in who said to me, and you have said, you know, as, as a model of how we need to pray, reminding God of the promises. But, you know, there's promises that God gives us just in his word as believers. There's no weapon formed against us that shall prosper. And we could, we could all speak them, right? Um, th these promises. And you know, mm -hmm. God's worked out all things for good for those who love him. Those are called according to his purpose. So those are promises that we can anchor to. But when we speak about the promises that he speaks to us, you know, and again, Marilee said it, that, it wasn't like an audible voice that came to me because God gave me three distinct promises to hold on to. And at many times, Chris, I doubted those. Ah, it was just me, just my thoughts. Mm. And I remember even getting on my knees and saying, you know, Lord, if those were really from you, you're going to have to show me because, you know, my mind is too clever at times, right? And I'll come up with these things. I cannot tell you how many times he proved to me that it was him. I wish I would have documented them all. So I guess what I'm saying too is, is that, first of all, you're going to doubt. You're going to have, have hopeless times, you know, and, and he will speak a promise to your heart. And then you're, it's okay to challenge him. It's okay to say to him, is this real? Is that really for me, for my family, for my healing? And he'll show up and he'll, he'll somehow show you that it in fact is from him and it's a real promise, but he'll give you a promise. And you all know that one of my favorite things in the Bible is Rakazakamots, which mm -hmm. means that, you know, it's the, the English translation of Rakazakamots and someone could type, well, I guess we can't see it, but you could spell it for your uh, listening audience there. But um, it, the, he, the, the English is be strong and courageous, but the Hebrew really means, and just in a very quick paraphrase, but, God's gone before us into our promise and he's beat back the resistance. <clears throat> he's dealt with every resistance, every concern, every enemy, every worry that we have, and he's conquered it. And when someone in the Bible was moving into their promise that God had for them, he would send somebody to speak Rakazakamaz, meaning it's, it's not you anyway. You know, as Israel moved into the promised land, you know, and Moses on his deathbed uh, literally spoke, God through Moses spoke, Rakazakamatz, Israel, you know, you're going to move in to this promise. And all Israel could see was the 31 armies against them. They had every reason why they shouldn't do it. And God spoke that. And again, you know, as Joshua was moving them into the promise, he, God spoke through Joshua again to Israel, Rakazakamatz. And, you know, it's, there's so 
many places when you go through the Old Testament where Rock Kazakamatsu is. In, in most Bibles, it's translated for you into be strong and courageous. <laughs> but the Hebrew is Rock Kazakamatsu. But when you see that, be strong and courageous and have good faith. And you know, that is Rock Kazakamatsu. And that means that God's went into the promise for you. Every worry you have, every resistance, everything he's dealt with, it's his. So you don't have to conjure up your healing. You don't have to conjure up your faith in that bold way. He's done it. You don't have to beat back the enemy. He's done it. So anyways, we, we hang on to those words. That's for sure. You know, you reminded me of a, of a story, uh, well, an experience, unfortunately, uh, a bad experience for me and Britt before we actually met you. Um, and it was when uh, both me and Britt were very sick and, and um, it was after our first daughter when um, Britt's health took a turn for the worse and we ended up having two miscarriages. And, in, and the first time that that happened and we didn't know we were having a miscarriage, um, but we thought we were walking into the doctor's office to find out if we were was like the hardest, the lowest day of my life. And the only prayers I had were, um, was this image of like, God, you have to walk in there first because I can't, like, I can't, you have to do, you're going to do this first and I'm just going to follow you. See, that's rock is off right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, which is why I thought of this. Um, and, uh, my my other thought was just the the joy of a Christian faith is not the joy that you that you experience and you see um, when everything is going right. Wow. You know, it, it's the it's the faith and and the joy in suffering. And I didn't understand anything, and I wasn't happy. You know, I wasn't happy through all this, and I couldn't feel the joy. But I can say that that moment and that experience with God was transformative in my faith, because I was hoping to trust in him. And, and it turned out that we had a miscarriage and we lost our child and it was one of the worst days of my life. But that being said, it was one of the best days with my God because I was able to surrender and rest in him throughout that entire, that entire day and that entire process. And I mean, there were tears and there were, there was suffering that went with it, but it was just, it was just that little desire that I wanted I wanted that with him. Mm -hmm. you know, I just made that choice to, to, to bring him into that experience with me and to participate in it with him. And um, that to me is what, you know, you're talking about. That's the, that's the, the rock of Zakamas. Um, you said something very amazing there. You know, something I've learned now in my older years, <laughs> surrender. You know, it seems like that's really what always God wants from us. And it, because in the surrender is the trust. Right. In the trust is the faith. And in the faith is the freedom and the peace and the answer. And the experience. Yeah. You know, but, it, but I, I think it starts with that surrender, you know, where unfortunately for me, it usually, you know, take, well, hopefully not in my older years, you know, that it doesn't take complete, complete, utter collapse before I surrender. I, I'm, I'm, I'm hopefully learning. I think I am. I, I'm learning to surrender ahead of it, you know, where I, I go, hmm, I've been here before. Um, you know, why don't I just give it to him now? You know, we find ourselves striving. You know, my battle is where do we strive and where do we surrender? Meaning that, you know, I'm a doer. 
So I don't ever want to be one of these people who just say, oh yeah, I, oh, I'm just going to trust God. And yet they don't change their diet, right? Um, I'm just going to trust God. And then they don't do X, Y, Z or take responsibility. So I'm always struggling even now with, you know, how much I do and how much I surrender, how much I do, how much. So I, I tend to have to go through a process of, you know, doing everything that I think is the answer. And then God will lead me to nothing. <laughs> then I have to surrender. So I've come up with my own little solution here. And he, and he tells himself many times over along the way, like, I'm trusting God. Well, but he knows who I am. He knows that I'm, yeah. he knows that I'm always researching. I'm always thinking I, I, I can't stop. I'm always learning. And then, you know, and then he, and then he backs off again in his frustration. And, it, yeah. and yeah, at a certain point, God brings him to that place where he knows that he's not going to figure it out. And then, and then he starts asking, well, no, he asks along the way too. Okay, Lord, whatever you show me, you know, I will yeah. show others, you know, whatever you teach me, I'm going to share. And, and sometimes it is, it is absolutely doing nothing. And then, and then he's asking in retrospect, okay, Lord, what did you show me? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you can see here I am, right. You know, because I don't know what I've learned. <laughs> like, what did I learn? I'll be 55 this year and I'm still like this with God. Let's figure this out, right? I mean, so I, maybe there's hope in there for people. Maybe it's not. Well, I, I, think the, I think the message in there is it's the heart that God looks at. I think yeah, that's, that's what we then realize. It is our heart of, of trust and faith. And I, someone asked you, just yesterday I heard you on a summit, and the last question of that summit, what did he ask you? He asked you if there's one thing oh, yeah, that you, uh, right, that you've learned of the value of the journey or whatever it is you're struggling with and what you've learned. And Danny said that I, it's in the adversity that the things of, that you need to know for whatever you're doing is in your life and your mission is where it comes from. It comes in the struggle. And I wouldn't be who I am if I hadn't been through what I've been through. And I wouldn't have the information to share with the world and I, or the heart or the passion or the desire even. And, and I think that's, as you were saying, Chris, the, the, um, it's so hard when we go through these things. But the joy, as, as much as the peace God might give you in that battle, the joy comes after the fact when you can look back and say, God, you are so faithful. God, you love me that much. And you showed up in a magnificent way. I mean, we, you know, we've dealt with two of our kids nearly dying, you know, and, and um, traumatically and dramatically. And God did such, I mean, oh my gosh, you know, that, those are other stories. But to look back and see the faithfulness of God, it's just truly magnificent so you know uh, Marilee, uh, you know she when i read something that she's anyway that that page that she gave me there's one more thing on that page that i, I have to share mm -hmm. based on what Marilee just said um hang on i'll find it man um but when we get to that place <clears throat> of surrender when we get to that place where god wants us to be i think we get there in a way of saying it this way Lord, deliver me or not, I trust you either way. I'm when I hit that place, somehow that's when God moves. And I don't know why, I'm, I'm speaking this to myself right now. 
why don't I get there sooner? I don't even know the answer to that, right? It's like, but, but there's a magical place. And yesterday, you know, recently I had something and it was like one of those things where it's like, hey, God finally took that from me. And I thought, why is that? And I thought, you know, my, my language to God changed. I got to that place where it was like, you know what? I can live my life like this. You know, it's like, or you'll take it. And I think that was my breakthrough. So right here, yeah, right Des here. Desperation is better than despair. Remember our faith did not create our, our desperate days. Faith's work is to sustain us through those days and to solve them. Yet the only alternative to desperate faith is despair. Faith holds on and prevails. There is not a more heroic example of desperate faith than the story of the three Hebrew young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their situation was desperate, but they bravely answered, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Daniel 3, 17 and 18. I especially like the words, but even if he does not. So the, the key there was, even if he does not, right? We're, you know, we're expecting God to save us, throw us into the furnace, you know, but even if he does not, we're okay, right? That's that place. That is the, that's the stance in faith where I believe God steps in and he says, okay, now you're trusting me. So whatever health condition it is, right? It's like, Lord, I so want this condition to be healed. But even if you don't, what do you have in it? Somehow it's somehow for right now, it's better for me. Somehow you still have a lesson in it for me. Somehow my life will be better because of it. Life's going to be richer. You know, I mean, I, I, I can't even tell you how many thought process, you know, as I had septic arthritis from a cavitation in my neck, you know, and just finally coming to that point of somehow this, you won't take it completely, could be rescuing me from dementia later because, you know, all the things that I put into fixing this are benefiting. I mean, these thought processes go through my mind that even if you don't take it, somehow it's better for me, you know? But anyways, th that's the place to surrender. You know, I think, and I'll let Brittany and tell, tell me if I'm wrong with this. And then I know you wanted to say something, Britt, too. Um, but I think from a guy's perspective, because I struggle in that same exact way, <clears throat> and what I always go back to is identity and being afraid that for me, like if you surrender to God, that somehow I'm going to lose myself in that, right? And I'm going to allow him to remake me. And so for me, the struggle that I've come to understand is my identity and who I see that, who I think I am and who God sees me as. And constantly being okay with letting God reveal to me who I am as opposed to me telling him who I am. This is who I am. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I remember my last mastermind that I taught, right? Um, were you here, Park City? Um, it was past summer. Okay. I was. Okay. My, my message was basically that what Chris just said is understanding our true identity is the key to breakthrough, whether it's a health crisis or just a crisis or even going to the level or where God wants us to go. So 
unfortunately, we've all been given identities throughout our life that aren't necessarily true. And whether it's, you know, a teacher, a parent, and most of the identities given to us are given to us out of love, but necessarily that they're not necessarily true, right? So I had an identity of just being a dumbass because I had dyslexia. So when you can't read, your teachers, your friends, somehow they, you know, you just end up with an identity of I must be dumb, right? So that affected me through my life. Even responses as an adult that were probably not the best responses out of anger, jealousy, frustration. You can almost look at a root of an identity that was given to you that's not true. So, you know, in that mastermind, I, I said, look, we, we have to go through our life in a timeline and look and explore the identities that have been given to us that may be why as an adult, we don't respond normally. We can't love normally. We can't accept normally. You know, in the example I gave is David. Um, there's a great book called When David Perceived He Was King. And you have to understand, and I'll briefly, you know, we know the story of David, but he was the eighth child and he was the bastard child out of wedlock. So therefore he wasn't perceived as a, a real child. So here comes Samuel to anoint the next king uh, of Israel. And he starts with Jesse. Jesse's the father of these children. And he starts with the first son. And nope, not him. The next son, not him. Next son, not him. He literally comes and he says, well, that's it. I, I don't have any other son. Oh, wait, David? I mean, so you can see that perception that David didn't even count. So imagine that rejection, right? Ima imagine how many wounds that set up in David. Oh, and it did. Because when David then basically, you know, ends up king of Israel, man, he screwed it up. He screwed it up because of the, that and many other bad identities that his brothers, sisters, mothers, bro you know, gave him. And he was screwing up his life. He was in massive sin. He was doing everything wrong, screwing up his life and Israel. And then you can see when you read the story of David, when it started to click. And David perceived at one point that he was king. More importantly, David perceived the promise God had for him. He right. perceived what God was doing. He perceived it wasn't him. He perceived his identity shifted. And not only did David's life change, but he changed the whole nation of Israel. But no more than that, when you read in that little part about David on his deathbed, David perceived himself beyond that. He realized that God was doing something even beyond it. And obviously David's lineage led to the lineage of Jesus. You know, and he perceived that in his later years. And that really was a miraculous turnaround for not just Israel, but for, for the world. So we have to look at these perceptions of ourselves. We, you know, we, we have to view ourselves. The moment we start to see ourselves as God sees us and not what labels we've been given, then you'll break through, whether it's a healing, whether it's whatever God has for you again. So that, that's key, Chris. You know, is, you know, those identities can be the very things that hold us back. So you know, the challenge that I gave, Laurie, if you remember, in that uh, mastermind was, you know, I wish I had that answer for you, except that you make a timeline and I made everyone go through a timeline all the way back and pray first that God shows you those identities that have been given to you that aren't from him. And then you just start timelining it out and how you maybe find them is, you know, when as an adult, do I not act normal or, you know, when do I overreact? What creates me emotional things and angers or, you know, just emotional um, 
you know, feelings in me, right? Well, then you go back and look for those identities as a child and you timeline them out. But also I said, go back and mark down victories God gave you. You know, maybe it was a time, Lori, that you, you know, won a spelling bee. I, you know, whatever victories God gave you, because oftentimes in the victories are the real identities that right. God wants you to view yourself as. So in, in David's case, he slayed the lion and the bear and God gave him those victories only for him to revisit when he faced Goliath. He anchored back to where I, I slayed a lion and a bear. I, I'm taking this guy down. So, you know, we can often see that led to what David was called to. So we, we look at our, uh, you know, our, our identities that were given to us falsely, and then we look at our victories. And, and I think it, it just it helped me break through. After that mastermind, I broke through into what I was really where God has called me to. Yeah, and, and I think it's hard. I think the, there's a there's a something to remember in that too is that God at Romans eight twenty eight, he you know we we know that good will come through the promises of God and but yet on the other hand we we make choices and there's consequences to those choices. So if we keep in our mind as believers living by the power of God within us then we really should be conscious. And if we do what Danny was just explaining, then we, have a, we don't have to mess things up so badly as we go forward, especially when we're aware. Because there are, there are things that happen in the battle that are counterintuitive to who, obviously, God's called us to be, even what we might believe of ourselves, but we're in pain. And so we stop maybe thinking you don't think rationally all the time when you're suffering, right? You just don't. And yet there are consequences that have to be undone and there's consequences that have to be undone anyway. So it, it would be far better to choose wisely to ask God constantly to help us stay on that straight and narrow path so that we're not having to undo and, and recreate relationships that we've damaged along the way. And I think especially in marriage, that is a very real, um, there's such real potential to cause so much more emotional pain than what's necessary. And, and the emotional damage that we inflict on those closest to us is something that long outlasts the pain oftentimes of the physical problem. And, you know, that's, that's, that was, we've had that experience as well, yeah. you know, and that's why I'm saying pay attention to that because it's just from wisdom and experience. Sometimes it's, it, you know, it's, we're so grateful. I'm so thankful that God did what I knew he would do, but some of the emotional stuff that we've had to work through and we continue to work through and have to show each other grace within it is something that maybe if we had chosen differently in those moments of you know, feeling sorry for ourselves, we wouldn't have made certain choices that would have had a greater pain for each of us in the marriage. Um, you know, talking about identity, um, and then we'll kind of wrap up in prayer. Um, but, you know, talking about identity, I don't know if you guys know this, but I work for the church and I work with youth. And so we always do this exercise with them where, um, you know, Jesus is asking the disciples, who do people say that I am? And, um, and it's funny because I sit there and I say, who do you say that I am guys? Like, 
give, give me, uh, define me, right? And they're, they're like, uh, you're, you're a youth minister, you're Brittany, you're a mom, you're a, like, and they throw out all these different adjectives essentially, right? And I'm just like, that's not my identity. That's not who I am. That's not who I am. And I draw the connection to, you know, it's not until Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of God, that Jesus is like spot on. And I'm like, my identity is not um, anything I do, right? My identity is that I'm a daughter of God. And it's so often, especially when you're in pain, when you're suffering, when you're struggling with an illness, that you identify with that illness and you stay stuck there, you know? Um, you know, struggling with infertility, it was like, I see in my infertility friend, like my friend struggling with infertility or subfertility or whatever, they're just stay there. They're like, oh, well, this is the cross God has given me. And I made the point to somebody the other day is, is that I don't think God has called that many people to infertility as we think. I think that we just need someone to connect the dots for us to help us bring about that healing and get back to that core identity that you are a son uh, or a daughter of God, that your purpose is, um, this is part of the process, but your purpose is greater, right? Um, So we really thank you guys for joining us today. Um, And we were hoping, Dr. Pompa, that you would close us in prayer. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Father, we're so grateful, Lord, that we're able to speak these words, Father, that uh, most of them, The authority doesn't come in anything we've done, Lord, but the victory that you've given us, Lord, the stepping stones, Father of hardships, adversity, Lord, we realize it is the path to the light and the promise and the purpose you have for us, Lord. And that is our identity. Brittany said it best, Father, it's not the things that we do, Father, it's what you've called us to and how you see us, Lord. And, um, absolutely as your children lord we are so humble father that we can just have you in our life lord that we can rely on you bring us through our healings lord we surrender to you father and of all these things there's so many people out there listening to this that are hurting in so many ways lord i pray for them i pray that you would allow them to surrender father rakazakamats i speak it to them for you through me to them lord that you've already gone through into the promise that you have for them, Lord, and that you've beat back the enemy. You've broke through the resistance, all their concerns and worries you've dealt with, Lord. Let them trust in you fully. So I pray for healing, Father, for the physical ailments that are there. I pray for breakthrough, for the emotional, Father, struggles that so many people have right now, the fears, Lord. Allow them to walk into the promise, the purpose that you have, Let them look at the adversities in their life, Father, as the very thing that they needed to be the person, Father, that you've called them to, the true identity, Lord. So we just thank you for this time with you and for all those listening. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, guys. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Our pleasure.